The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. I know I always say it, I always mean it, and I think it's always true. What are we talking about today? Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Okay, I have a rather long quote here from Martin Ford, the author of Rise of the Robots, Technology and the Threat of a Jobless Future. I think a couple of keywords in there. Threat is probably the one you're all listening to. Let me read the quote. Computers, machines, robots, and algorithms are going to be able to do most of the routine, repetitive types of jobs. People with college degrees, even professional degrees, people like lawyers are doing things that ultimately are predictable. A lot of those jobs are going to be susceptible over time. OMG, that's from Martin Ford, Rise of the Robots. So what are we talking about here? The show is about HR. Let me tie it all together. The digitization of business functions has started an evolution, and you might say a revolution, with smart machine technology informing our lives from home to office and everything in between. Our appliances, our cars, our talking and chatting and machines to play music for us and try to figure out what our mood is. But the key question here is, will machines take over your job? Now, we have a global audience, so I'm talking to you and you and you, whatever continent you're on, whatever time of day or night you're listening to us, whether you're listening to us live or on demand a little bit later. So today we're going to talk about how machine learning, AI, which is artificial intelligence, and AR, augmented reality, will transform the role of HR and how service delivery is designed and experienced. So our perspective today is human resources, human capital management. What happens to people with the rise of the robots? What will happen to the human side of business? Let me tell you who our three panelists are, and then we'll get started. First up, we'll be pleased to welcome Andy Britt. He is IBM's European Talent and Engagement Practice Manager. Joining him is Tammy Reese, creator of Just Not Sorry. She calls herself a product strategist, and we'll find out a little bit about the app she created. And rounding out the panel is Piyush Chandra, Senior Director for Product Management at the Innovation Center Network in SAP Labs. And of course, a shout out to Dr. Patty Fletcher, the sponsor of this series. And by the way, you are listening to Changing the Game with HR Radio, presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. So let's see, Andy Britt. 
who happens to be in the UK, has sent me a quote from Stephen Hawking. Stephen William Hawking, lots of letters after his name, is an English theoretical physicist, cosmologist, author, and director at the Center for Theoretical Cosmology at the University of Cambridge. He's an honorary fellow of the Royal Society of Arts. Uh, In 2002, he was ranked number 25 in the BBC's poll of the 100 Greatest Britons. Very, very interesting. So here's the quote Andy has selected from probably Dr. Hawking, I'm guessing. Every aspect of our lives will be transformed. In short, success in creating artificial intelligence could be the biggest event in the history of our civilization. AI will either be the best or the worst thing ever to happen to humanity. Andy Britt, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you today? Bonnie, I'm fine. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Delighted to have you. I love the quote from Stephen Hawking because, as we sometimes like to say, Andy, he's got he's covered the good, the bad, and the ugly and everything in between here. Will AI be the best, the worst ever to happen? So tell me how you picked this quote for our show today, and what do you think? Where are we headed? Well, I picked it because uh, and he's actually Professor Stephen Hawking, or he's, he's probably okay. a super Professor Stephen Hawking uh, with the brain the size of a planet. Um, he's correctly identified that, you know, artificial intelligence is the next major technology platform shift. And uh, I suppose like all new technology, you know, that has the potential for, for, for good or bad. But, you know, it's how we use it that counts. And I think I'd want to argue that the AI should be there to you know, enhance and extend uh, human capability, not replace it. So um, but, certainly in my organization, when we talk about AI, we don't talk about artificial intelligence, i.e. Uh, computer technology that makes decisions for us. We tend to talk about um, augmented intelligence, i.e. Um, mm-hmm. systems and, and solutions that help us make better decisions in our day-to-day lives. Um, and if you think about it, Bonnie, it makes sense, doesn't it? All of us suffer from information overload. So why can't we use technology smartly to, you know, do some of the analysis and filtering of data for us? Um, all of us every day have got really tough decisions to make in our lives. So, again, why can't we use those cognitive applications uh, to narrow down those options and to make recommendations for us? That way, AI will be a good thing for humanity are not the worst thing that ever happened to humanity. I like your optimism, Andy Britt, and I like the fact that you're thinking in positive terms that we may still have some control over this. And what I'm concerned about is that train is leaving the station and it's going chooka chooka choo choo very, very fast. Do you think we still have a chance to use it to augment our intelligence rather than to bombard us with its intelligence that we created and gave to it? What do you think? Well, I don't think so. And certainly all of the applications that I've been involved in developing both uh, uh, within, within industry, within government, uh, w- w- within the healthcare sector, everything has been focused on let's use this technology to provide information to real human beings so they can make better decisions. And in none of these applications have we created independent agency or pseudo-consciousness to allow machines or robots to make decisions for us or in replacement of human beings. 
Thank you. I, I like your optimism, and I think it's very interesting uh, that we need the right people in the right positions to make sure we go in that direction. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to have you on. We'll be chatting a lot more with you later. And now let's turn to our second guest, Tammy Reese, creator of Just Not Sorry. And Tammy has sent us a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Let me read a little background here. Mohandas Karam Chand Gandhi, Hindustani, lived from 1869 to 1948. He was the leader of the Indian independence movement in British-ruled India. Uh, yeah, I, and he, I think you just asked me to talk. For some reason, Andy and I are both having a lot of difficulty hearing you, but I, I really? do recall the quote that I sent you from Gandhi. And the reason why I think that is important in our topic is that the nature of being open to new ideas very often, HR professionals are resistant towards hearing about how a computer might replace their job, um, but to be open to listening to these new ideas, but also to not get so excited and, and jump on everything that's new out there in the technology universe, to think consciously about how does this fit within our company, how does this fit within our processes, how can we leverage this technology to improve our processes, to improve our recruiting, to improve our staff retention, to improve staff development, etc., as opposed to just saying, oh, this is a new shiny object. I want to be cool and hip and and advanced, and we want to be innovative, so we're going to try the most innovative things as opposed to evaluating each of them on their own merits and how they fit into your own company culture and initiative. Thank you, Tammy. I was in the process when you chimed in, and thank you for that, of reading the background on Gandhi. I hadn't even read the quote yet, so let me read the quote, Okay. <laughs> That's okay, dear. You, you were fine. So the quote was, I do not want my house to be walled in on all sides and my windows to be stuffed. I want the culture of all lands to be blown about my house as freely as possible, but I refuse to be blown off my feet by any. So, Tammy, thank you for your comments on that. And uh, I was working with my engineer to try and get my voice back on air here so you could all hear me. Is this much better now? Yeah, that's great. Thousands of times better. <laughs> Good, good, good. Okay. And now let's welcome our third panelist, Piyush Chandra, at the Innovation Center Network at SAP Labs. And Piyush has sent us a quote from Albert Hubbard. Hubbard was an American writer, publisher, artist, and philosopher. He had early success as a traveling salesman for the Larkin Soap Company. I don't know if Piyush knows that. Hubbard is best known as the founder of the Roycroft Artisan Community in East Aurora, New York, an influential exponent of the arts and crafts movement. And his many publications include the 14-volume work called Little Journeys to the Homes of the Great. And uh, very sadly, he and his wife, Alice Moore Hubbard, died aboard the Lusitania when it was sunk by a German submarine off the coast of Ireland on May 7, 1915. Here is the quote Piyush has selected. One man, one machine can do the work of 50 ordinary men, no machine can do the work of one extraordinary man. Piyush Chandra, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Thanks, Bonnie. How are you? Very good, thank you. Tell me about your quote. Yeah, so one of the reasons I uh, selected this quote is because this quote was uh, uh, made multiple decades ago. And I just wanted to highlight the fact that even back then, people were concerned about technology taking over our jobs. But if we look, at, look back at history, uh, technology actually has created more jobs than it has uh, made obsolete. In fact, uh, Deloitte recently came out with a study, uh, a paper, 
in which they have studied employment data in England and Wales for last 140 years. And yes, the fact remains that there are mundane, routine, repetitive jobs that have been made obsolete and machines have taken over those jobs. But overall, there has been a net addition of jobs. Uh, in fact, uh, it, just in the last 12 years, technology has added a net of 6 million jobs in England and Wales. So, yes, even in Silicon Valley, well, we hear it so many times that now AI is going to come and even highly skilled jobs are not safe. But I disagree with that. I think it's an opportunity for us to, to upskill ourselves and move to, uh, to a higher ladder in the value chain. And... Uh, I, I would even argue that uh, AI actually is helping us uh, become extraordinary people, and this is an opportunity for us, and uh, it, it is up to us to, to utilize it to the max. Thank you very much. I think there's optimism there, too, as well. Andy Brett, I'm circling around the table to you and asking you where you're calling from. I know we contacted you in the U.K. Where? Not exactly the address or the Google coordinates of the roof of your house or your office, but where in general are you, Andy? At what time of day or evening is it? And what are you drinking right now if it's something that makes you happy? If not, what would you, what would you rather be drinking? <laughs> right, here we go. So it is uh, 7.15 in the evening here in London, UK. I'm sitting in the IBM headquarters uh, overlooking uh, the Thames. If I just look up river, I can see uh, the Houses of Parliament. And uh, I'm drinking a cup of peppermint tea. Well, it's a bit more complex than that. It's three-mint tea. It's a verdant fusion of organic peppermint, spearmint, and fieldmint. And um, I'm drinking that because, obviously, at this time of night, coffee means I won't be able to sleep. So, um, yeah, I'm on healthy peppermint tea. <laughs> Do you want to give us a brand? Because I looked up three mint tea, and I love mint tea as well, Andy. I'm a big fan of that. I see there's a brand called uh, P-U-K-K-A, Pucka Organic That's the one. Three Mint yeah, Tea. Yeah, Pucka. It's Pucka Three Mint Tea. It's a wonderful brand that's uh, very popular here in the U.K. at the moment um, if you're looking for kind of healthy, fragrant uh, teas. They even do a nice licorice and spearmint tea, which I, I, I occasionally try. Oh, that sounds delicious. Wow. Very interesting. I'm going to have to get some of that. Tammy Reese, where are you calling from today? And what's in your cup today or what would you rather be drinking, Tammy? Hi, I'm calling from New York City. I'm looking out at the Freedom Tower from the office I'm at at a startup that I'm helping them with their product strategy. And at this hour of the day, I'm just drinking some water from a reusable glass bottle. And my years of California have taught me about the importance of reusable bottles. Um, and you're just trying to stay hydrated because I flew in from Florida last night. So trying to recoup all of the liquids I lost while in flight. Ah, I, I hope you were safely on the flight. Nothing to do with anybody having to overbook or reaccommodate. Those are some buzzwords we don't want to hear about anymore. No, that, on the that news. would have been I know. a drag. And more ways than one. Uh, Tammy, tell me something. What is a product strategist? What do you do? Um, so I'm the person you want in the room when you're trying to figure out what to do next. Um, so I help oh. businesses figure out market opportunities or how they should shift their product to recapture part of their market or satisfy user needs, competitive intelligence, etc. 
and tell me something. What is Just Not Sorry? I looked it up, and I wasn't sure what I was looking at. So tell me, what is it, and how would I use it? Uh, Just Not Sorry is a Gmail plugin that underlines as if it was spell checking words that undermine your message and make you come off as less confident as a communicator. So it underlines words such as just and sorry and I believe, I feel, I'm no expert, etc. Because as I think we might even come up in topic today, when the words on the screen are the only part of your communication and you lose the human touch of voice inflection, tone, body language, it's very important to be careful in your word choice. So this is a tool that helps you become more conscious of your word choice when sending emails. Thank you very much, Tammy. Pleasure to have you on. And I'm in New York. I'm on Long Island. I'm going to lean out the window, but not too far, and I'm going to wave. Tammy, can you see me waving, the redhead with the curly oh, I, hair I on Long Island? I most certainly can. There, there's a That's few it. tall buildings in the way. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lean out a little further, but i got a, yeah, I got a belt on here. They won't let me lean too far out of the office. Thank you. And Piyush Chandra, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup today? Uh, I am calling from Palo Alto, California, and I'm through my window. I can actually look across, and uh, there's this the headquarters for Tesla here. And I, you know, I was just thinking about it that just a few years ago, four or five years ago, who would have thought that we would have a car that that drives by itself? So, yeah, this is this is an amazing place to be in, and this is just full of brilliant minds who are trying to make our lives better. Now, what's in my cup for now? For now, nothing, but uh, I'll let you know that I spent a lot of time in Italy and I became kind of a coffee snob. So I'm a big fan of handcrafted espresso. And every time I I go to a, 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 a nice coffee shop that has skilled baristas that, that know the art of brewing uh, a, a steaming cup of uh, espresso, I just think about how human skills have been augmented uh, by a sophisticated machinery that is required to make uh, a, a, a really nice cup of coffee. And that is what I'm looking forward to having at the end of my day. Thank you very much. Very interesting. When you were talking about a skilled barista, Piyush, I was thinking, I read recently an article, and I don't know if it's true, that robots will replace fast food workers at places like McDonald's and that they'll be able to have a custom high-end hamburger flipped, turned, cooked, and served within 10 seconds, and nobody can beat that. So going back to your quote from Albert Hubbard, no machine can do the work of one extraordinary man. We have to paraphrase that extraordinary man or woman, of course. Uh, thank you, Albert, Albert Hubbard, for that. And I'm just wondering, uh, would you ever go to a coffee house that had a robot making your coffee without the human touch, Piyush? Perhaps I would if I was in a rush, and that's the only option I have near me. I, I, I wouldn't mind going there, but if I'm looking for something more personalized, and going back to your example of burgers, here in the Bay Area, we have so many uh, gourmet burger joints, which customize their burgers and they try to stand out uh, from uh, apart from competition. So, yes, I think uh, I would go uh, go to such a place. But nonetheless, my uh, cafe of choice would be a place where people understand what I want and can give me uh, something unique to my taste. 
There you go. That would be the human ideal. And by the way, that is such a great lead-in for me to reiterate our topic, Piyush. Thank you. Reimagining HR. Will machines replace the human side of business? I didn't say the humans in business, but the human side of business. Can we teach our machines through AI, our chatbots, our robots, whatever, to understand sentiment and become more like us? Do we even want to? Well, we have a lot more to discuss with our three esteemed panelists, Andy Brown at IBM, Tammy Reese at Just Not Sorry, and Piyush Chandra at SAP Labs. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break, about 90 seconds, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dialer, however Siri or Alexa has connected you to us today. Maybe that's how you're listening. I don't know. So we'll be right back. Kevin, out. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations, to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP SuccessFactors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the Game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. Indeed, I think the game is changing around and despite through an over HR. We're talking today reimagining HR. Will machines replace the human side of business? We haven't even asked if machines will will replace your CHRO. Oh my goodness, that's something we'll have to talk about a little later on. Our panel today, Andy Britt from IBM, Tammy Reese at Just Not Sorry, and Piyush Chandra at Innovation Center Network at SAP Labs. We're going to start the roundtable in earnest with some topics from Andy Britt's discussion list he sent me before the show. Let me read a statement here and then I'll ask Andy to expand it and then we'll invite Tammy to come in and chime in on Andy's topic and we'll invite Piyush to come in and then Andy will wrap this up. Then we'll move on to a topic from Tammy's list. So here we go. Andy says, talent acquisition and onboarding needs to keep pace in the fight for talent. Harnessing cognitive technology ensures a positive and personal experience for candidates and new hires. There are three key trends the research shows. So Andy, why don't you comment on what this all means to our topic and then tell us about the research, please. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. So within IBM, we've been looking at how cognitive uh, and uh, artificial intelligence is going to 
you know, change all aspects of HR. But if we take this first one, talent acquisition uh, and, and onboarding, you know, what if in future a potential candidate to an organization, rather than talking to a recruited or, or recruiter or being headhunted, what if they could just go online and talk to a virtual recruitment, uh, recruiting assistant who could mm-hmm. automatically read their CV and then give them some indications as to where there might be a great fit uh, with, uh, w- w- within that organization. So it would automatically read, pull out the skills, the experience of that individual, and then match it to the hundreds or thousands of potential roles within that organization and say, here is where we think you might fit in our organization. Wouldn't that be a great candidate experience? Um, at a first stage, and that's before an, an individual has even spoken to anyone at the company. Then let's say that candidate eventually joins the organization. Wouldn't it be great if, again, rather having to sort of uh, just ask lots of people all the basic questions about, I don't know, how do I book travel or how do I set goals and objectives or I want to find an expert on this particular uh, subject. What if they could talk to a cognitive uh, uh, onboarding assistant, uh, you know, like a, a chatbot via perhaps their mobile device or via instant messaging that immediately gave them, you know, answers to all their standard questions. And the advantage mm-hmm. of that chatbot is it would be available 24-7. They could talk to it whenever they wanted to. It would give reliable information and advice. And the individual then feels that all of their questions are answered immediately rather than having to search around on internet sites or wait until their manager is in to ask the question. So really quickly, they can get up to speed and they feel part of the organization. So those are the kind of kind of use cases that we think are increasingly going to be part of an HR function in the talent acquisition and onboarding space. Thank you, Andy. Great introduction to that part of our conversation. Tammy Reese in New York, love to have you comment on what Andy shared. What do you think, Tammy? I think that Andy's definitely right with the prediction because those are inefficiencies, right? If we think about the amount of time that companies invest in recruiting to find the right talent and the right people for the right job and how often really great candidates apply for the wrong job because they aren't familiar with the titles and nomenclature of a particular organization, especially when you think of the larger organizations where you're just really looking for smart people to join the team and you'll find the right opportunity for them if you have five or 10,000 openings. Um, and I was working with a startup in, uh, in New York who does what – Andy was describing to begin with, they're called Wade and Wendy, and what they do is they make it more of a conversation, because I think as a number of us are aware, your CV can slant things in one direction or another, and what they allow for you to do is that even that initial phone screen of sorts, where they ask a candidate questions about what they like most about that job, or it says you have experience with SQL, how many years do you write SQL, when was the last time you did such a thing, Um, but I think what's important is making sure that those questions come off as human as possible, that if we get it, we, that we do it right, that we either warn somebody that they're talking to a computer and it's almost like filling out a form and the computer's going to guide them through the form, or we advance our artificial intelligence to the point where it feels like you're talking to a person, someone who's invested in you. In the same way, the recruiters that are asked on the companies we work with are invested in making sure they find the right candidates and communicating that sense of, I'm here for you too that often can get lost when a computer is talking to you. Thank you very much, Tammy. Piyush Chandra at SAP Labs, love to have your thoughts. Please join us. Yeah, so I certainly agree with uh, with both my colleagues here. 
uh, I agree that recruitment of highly skilled people is becoming increasingly difficult. And one area of research uh, I, I do want to highlight is uh, the bu- inherent biases that people have and how they play a part in recruitment process. To give you an example, women are less likely to apply to job postings that have words like guru or ninja in them. Now, there is research happening in AI and machine learning space, which is trying to automate job postings and uh, applications and screening of applicants so that we can get rid of biases, inherent biases that kind of uh, clog the recruitment process. So uh, that is uh, uh, that is an important thing uh, when it comes to recruitment. And uh, hopefully with this research, when we are able to get rid of biases, we are able to uh, find candidates who are the who have the right fit and hopefully in a in a shorter amount of time the other thing i want to highlight is more and more people are are choosing to work as freelancer and and part-time employees and this uh, opens up this possibility of uh, having to assemble a team in in a quick, quick amount of time because people are more project driven instead of employer driven now so they join a team for a project, whatever matches they need, and then they move on. Now, in this scenario, it, this entire uh, process of recruiting people becomes even more uh, large-scale because now you have to find people who don't stay with your company for five, ten years, but for a few months. And every time you have a new requirement, you need to assemble this team. So this recruitment process is going to become even more large-scale and more complicated so we need uh, better uh, technology that can help us uh, uh, enable this process. Thank you very much, Piyush. Uh, Andy Britt, I'm going to circle back around the table to you. Any thoughts on what your colleagues on the panel just shared? Anything you'd like yeah, to I mean, elaborate yeah, on? It's in, yeah, it's interesting that, that P.S. was referring to there because we, we've recently been working with a, with, with a Japanese company that uh, you know, places engineers in client organizations on, you know, short and long-term assignments. And there, you know, we've used a cognitive uh, uh, solution, a a cognitive platform to actually sift and search through um, kind of permanent employees and flexible employees' CVs and resumes to find the right people and match them to, you know, uh, know, suitable client engagements. And our evidence or experience so far is that that solution has found candidates and placed them six times faster than the previous manual-based uh, approach to uh, selecting and deploying staff. Thank you very much, Andy. And now, Tammy Reese, I'm looking at your list of comments here, and let's talk about first impressions. Tammy, I think we've all heard the, the quote, uh, you only get one chance to make a good first impression. So let me read what you said in your notes and then we'll run with it. You say, the first impression someone gets of a company is often the response they get from a recruiter. And then you add, with new tools coming out like Wade plus Wendy, which are AI chatbots that replace the initial phone screening call for new candidates or x.ai for scheduling some candidates will get the impression the company is on the leading edge but others may think it's impersonal and they could be turned off by that so where should a company what what part of that seesaw should they be on tammy talk to me well i think it isn't only just a matter of the company as a whole but to think about it for the roles 
right? When we think about how we recruit executives, we, we wine and dine, we, we find connections that might introduce us, and we're not going to have the scalability as we were just talking about to do that for every candidate, but if we're recruiting top talent and we know there's competition out there to recruit top talent, how can we make our, our candidates feel like we are the right place for them and that we are a place where they would want to work and that they will be appreciated and they will be able to grow and all of the things that we all can study about for millennials. And in that first impression, if we can show them that we may be innovative by using some of these tools, but we preface it in a way of saying, this is what we're trying out. We'd love your feedback on it, right? That you're going to become a member of our team and we're the kind of company that cares about feedback. Or you think about the nature of the messages and customizing the messages that these tools are using um, to make sure that they come off as branded and they come off as part of your overall brand message as opposed to taking them out of the box. And the last thing I would add is to make sure that you gather feedback and and you iterate on it. Very often with these sorts of tools, we think of them as machine learning, so they learn and they teach themselves, but they also might need a little bit of a human nudge for fine-tuning from time to time as we audit them, as we receive feedback to say, okay, maybe we shouldn't incorporate this piece until the third part of the interview cycle, or maybe the intro message to this can be made a little softer or a little bit more direct so that people feel like, even though they're interacting with a computer, that the computer is a well-representative piece of the company and the sort of company that they want to work for. Thank you, Tammy. Interesting. While you were talking, I've never heard of Wade plus Wendy, and, and I looked it up. Wade is your personal AI career guide, your always present advisor, and Wendy is your AI hiring assistant in-house. Very interesting. Do you know people who actually use these, Tammy? Um, they have a partnership with a staffing recruiting firm that um, works with a large number of companies. So there are a good number of companies that are currently testing out Wade and Wendy. They're, they're an early stage company. X.ai, the scheduling assistant, is used uh, widely in the New York tech community and in San Francisco. Uh, you might know her as Amy.ai as opposed to as X.ai. Occasionally there's actually also, I think, Andy. Um, but they help with scheduling. And some people find them really frustrating, and some people find them really efficient. And I think it's it's a matter of figuring out what works out best for you and your company. Thank you very much. Interesting that uh, trying it out on the public, i.e., with recruits with coming in and with with uh, scanning and scouring the world of applicants, it, it might be too late if they don't like it. You could lose people, but then again, people could pass the word on word of mouth on social media, and we all know how powerful that is. That uh, this is a really cool company. Look what they're doing. So I, I don't know. We're gonna have to wait for the the jury to be in on that. Piyush Chandra, love to get your thoughts on what Tammy just introduced. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Tammy. Uh, I, I do think that uh, once uh, we have these smart machines working around us, like our colleagues, we, the two things we need to keep in mind, uh, one is, uh, as Tammy was saying, we, these are machine learning-based uh, uh, computers or assistants, and for them to, to understand our behavior and to be able to make uh, suggestions and recommendations that are more personalized to individuals, it is very important for us, to, for us to capture the right kind of data. So we need to uh, come up with ways where we are able to capture this right feedback from users and incorporate this in the, uh, in the algorithms that are running in the back so that 
it, 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 it is more meaningful, the AI becomes more meaningful for individuals rather than a blanket approach because the promise of AI is that it can be personalized and customized based on individual needs and it is something that is uh, self-learning and evolves over time based on user behavior. But the crucial component for that is uh, that we are capturing the right kind of feedback. Now on the other side, uh, we are, human beings are really good at understanding human behavior. So we know how to build friendships and how to build bridges among us and, uh, and, and, and how to get along with our colleagues so that we can all work together. But the same kind of empathy we'll have to inculcate for our machine colleagues as and when they arrive. So this will require a mindset change from our side that we don't look at a machine just as a, as a computer, but we, we look at it as, as, a, as an assistant, as a, as a person who is actually there to, uh, to help us guide through the process. And I think there is, uh, uh, there, is, uh, there is kind of training that's needed on both the sides to make the machine better, and also we need to focus on how can we, make, how can we train human beings so that uh, this machine-to-human interaction uh, is, is, uh, is smooth. Very interesting, Piyush. I'm listening to you, and I, uh, one thing that stuck out to me, struck out uh, when, you, when you talked about our machine colleagues. I've never heard that term before, and I'm picturing a robot sitting at the next desk. And, you know, uh, Bill Gates was famously quoted recently as saying, if a, if a robot takes away your job, that robot should be taxed. I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, we also had a conversation about chatbots on a couple of my other series this week, and we talked about whether you could request a chatbot with a certain IQ level and certain ability to understand sentiment and, and human needs. So based on that, I'm going to go around the table and ask Andy Britt to comment. And then I have a question. Our sponsor of this series, uh, Dr. Patty Fletcher, is tweeting, how can we remove bias, take it out of the HR algorithms that are coming through machine learning and AI? And that's a great question. But right now I want Andy's comment, Andy Britt, on what Tammy started about first impressions and about Wade and Wendy. And then we'll go around the table and answer Patty's question. So Andy Britt, what do you think? Yeah, well, I think increasingly um, HR directors and CHROs are talking about the human workforce and the virtual workforce. So I think, I think as Tam has expressed, that the, the answer to the question, it's probably not an either or, it's more of a both and. And if you think about a typical candidate and a candidate experience, when they're looking at a new organization, they've got kind of two broad questions. One is, do my skills and, and experience fit this organization? Would they be a good fit to this business and its strategy? And secondly, is my personality, my aspirations, would it be a good fit to this culture? So if you mm -hmm. take those two problems, the first problem, does do my skills and experience fit this business, I think is an AI problem because that's one where you need to match my diverse skills and expertise to the vast number of jobs, role profiles um, that exist within the organization. Now, that's the kind of problem that AI is really good at solving. But then when you get onto the second one, put, does my personality fit the culture? That I think you're a candidate is, is far more able to, to, to ascertain by talking to someone. In fact, by talking to many people in the organization. And of course, AI is not that good at doing empathy, understanding, and social interaction. So for that part of the equation, I think a candidate needs to speak to someone and meet the team. So I think it's both and, not either or. 
Thank you. Very interesting. Uh, I'm going to circle around to Tammy. And Tammy, I'm going to ask you the question that Dr. Patty Fletcher is asking. How do we take the bias out of the algorithms that would be used in HR, the algorithms that somebody is coding into machine learning for AI, chatbots, robots, any the, these machine colleagues? I love that phrase Piyush Chandra just used. So, Tammy, what do you think? Is it possible... And how do you hire the right person to code your ML and AI for your chatbots that HR is using? I think it's a double layer there. What do you think, Tammy Reese? Well, I think, first of all, it's not a person. That diversity starts with the diversity of the team that's building it. So thinking about how that it should be a team effort as to what these algorithms are and looking at your team and making sure that there is diversity on that team. And that comes in age diversity, experience diversity, gender diversity, uh, socioeconomic diversity. And the studies show that better products are built by more diverse teams, especially when doing consumer products because you want to appeal to a large mass of people and the more different groups that are represented on the team that's building it, the better it will address more needs in the market. And if you think about the way you're programming to receive candidates or recruit candidates or uh, performance development stuff as a person has already decided to choose to be with your company for advancement or otherwise, you have to remember that hopefully your team is diverse and those people are diverse, so you should be building it with a diverse team. And then after that as a baseline, to really say, as you just said, computers aren't perfect. They're being programmed by humans, and they have to be trained, and they get trained through machine learning. But the importance of regular audio, regular scheduled uh, audits and regularly scheduled feedback allows for you to have that humility to say, we're not perfect, we're still trying to advance this, but what can we learn from looking at the data as to whether or not we actually are biasing or not making decisions based on bias? Thank you. Very very thoughtful response, Timmy. I'm going to go around to Piyush Chandra next. Piyush, what do you think? Agree and feel free to disagree or add another flavor to this conversation. Piyush, what do you observe? Yeah, I, I I actually agree with Andy and uh, Tammy, both of them. Uh, so one of the things, uh, uh, as Tammy was rightly pointing out, was that we need to uh, 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 have this diversity of people who who would build or design these algorithms or machines, uh, machine colleagues for our future. So if we have diversity in people who are actually going about writing the code, right, uh, designing the interaction that they'll have with human beings, then for sure that's one way of ensuring diversity and removing biases. At the same time, I want to add that machine learning, in machine learning we have a saying, called, uh, saying that goes like garbage in, garbage out. So mm-hmm. if the data that... that these algorithms are running on is is not quality data, then we wouldn't we should not realis- realistically expect quality outcome. The way to ensure that uh, that we have quality data is a diversity of data. So I would go one step beyond uh, than Tommy uh, Tammy, and I would say that diversity of people is essential. But at the same time, equally if not more uh, crucial is diversity of data. Now, going back to my example of uh, women are more uh, less likely to apply for job descriptions that have words like guru and ninja is because they feel 
that these jobs are, are being advertised towards male people. Now, how do we get rid of uh, these words in a job posting? As a recruiter, you don't, or, or as a uh, job advertiser, you don't necessarily have this insight that, oh, if I put these words, uh, words like this, then my the, the the pool of applicants I'm looking at is already halved, and that's not a good start for for any recruiter. The way to get rid of this thing is, is compare multiple job postings with different set of keywords, and then determine was there any bias. So the moment we have this diversity of data, we are able to improve our algorithms and improve our data collection as well over time, and, and that's how we, we reach that stage where we have AI that's not biased, and we, we have AI that's actually augmenting our decision-making because these biases are so inherent that we don't even think twice about it. We think that it's all fair. Thank you. Very interesting answers around the table. We're getting a lot of lot of great thought leadership here. Andy, Brand, anything else you want to add to this? Yeah, just, just quickly. I mean, in one sense, I think it's fair to say that machines are blind. So they will give an objective assessment of a person's CV um, um, regardless of or independent of their gender, ethnicity, I don't know, age, nationality, sexual orientation, religion. They won't take that into account. They will just read the data that's provided to so a person's resume, their CV, uh, any articles that, they, that, 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 that have been written. Where the bias will come in is a success profile that an organization has established for the kind of person that they want in their organization. Now, that success profile might be based on people who've done well in the organization, their high potential, their high performers, and that would be the kind of standard that then a machine is trying to match candidates to. I think it is going to be difficult completely to rule out bias. Therefore, I think the prime principle here we've got to establish is transparency, i.e., we need to be clear what are the, uh, um, the algorithms, the rationale, uh, and the reasoning behind any decision that a computer makes. We need to understand that so that we can then assess whether that is a fair and objective judgment. Thank you very much. Great comments here. I appreciate it from all three of you. Uh, Piyush Chandra, we have about four minutes until we go into the formal lightning round called what's uh, called predictions. Uh, we call it looking into the crystal ball. So I want to touch on one comment in your notes before the show, talking about virtual and remote teams. You say there are new ways of collaborating with virtual and remote teams, including machines. Uh, AI doesn't necessarily take humans out of the equation. It can bring humans together around a common purpose with meaning. Can you give us a little more about that, please, Piyush? Absolutely. So this is uh, going back to uh, a point I was making earlier on. Uh, we have seen this trend now that among millennials, uh, there is more inclination towards being uh, part-time employees or, or being freelancers. So people are actually not looking for employers anymore. They're looking for the right kind of opportunities, right kind of projects. And they, they look for the right project. They'll work on it absolutely dedicatedly. But as soon as the project is done, they wouldn't stick around with the same employer. Rather, they'll go out and, and find the next right opportunity for them. Now, in this kind of environment, it, it, is, uh, it is very crucial to quickly, in a very short amount of time, make up uh, a team that trusts each other. And 
this risk uh, or this challenge becomes compounded by the fact that soon we'll have virtual machines among uh, virtual colleagues among us that will be uh, that will be also part of these teams. So it is very crucial for us to uh, to figure out ways how we can uh, enhance this uh, social bonding that we'll have not just among short-term colleagues but also among short-term colleagues which are human beings and also who are machines. So, so this establishing trust and, and transparency and providing constant feedback and emphasizing with each other, uh, each other. I think these will be the these will be the key uh, components of a successful team going forward. And the way to to do that is uh, uh, is, is through uh, is through the proper training and putting right kind of checks and balances and. Uh, uh, you know, just uh, just having uh, having this empathy that uh, uh, that machines are there uh, and they are there to augment us and not to replace us. So we, the, the the challenge I think in front of us is how do we uh, how do we change this mindset? How do we change this mm-hmm. perception that if there is a machine sitting in the room with me and is trying to do some work, then my job is challenged. I think that is that is the biggest challenge uh, we had at uh, on our hands. Thank you, Piyush. I'm going to circle around to Andy Britt from IBM in the UK. And Andy, it's time for our lightning round called Look Into the Crystal Ball. I'm very keen on the year 2020 because we've been talking about it, it seems, forever. And now it's only three New Year's Eves away. Somebody reminded me of a couple of weeks ago at another show. Uh, So start making your plans now. But that aside, Andy, what will change about this conversation? We've got a little less than three years to go until 2020. We're talking right now now about will machines replace the human side of business, in particular looking at HR and reimagining it. So, Andy, look into the crystal ball at IBM. Predict for me, please. I can give you a whole whopping 60 seconds. Why don't you dazzle us like you have for the whole hour, Andy, and tell us what do you see? Go ahead. Yeah, so funny. So I think um, um, uh, artificial intelligence, cognitive learning, machine learning will be embedded in probably the majority of products and services and processes and technology by which uh, business and indeed society functions. So I think in 2020, we will all have experienced something of, uh, of AI in where we work. If you ask me for a specific example in the enterprise space, I think it's likely that uh, we'll be all speaking to a single virtual assistant or chatbot uh, on our phone or, mo- or, 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 or wristwatch or a lapel badge, which will answer all the questions we have about our organization, whether it's um, you know, common uh, expense-related questions or complex ones about pension or about what's the next thing I should do in my career. We'll be talking to a chatbot, and uh, uh, that will be how m- machine learning will impact our lives. Oh, I like that. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Andy. And now, Tammy Reese, just not sorry. We're not going to be sorry. We're going to be sorry to hear you leave the show when we're done, Tammy, because you've certainly made some very interesting contributions to the conversation. So take a look into the crystal ball, Ms. Reese. What do you see around 2024? Machine learning, AI, chatbots, and HR. Go ahead, Tammy. So I think one thing to note is that the advancement is going to be much faster than we anticipate. I heard Ray Kurzweil, who's 
one of the top futurists speak a year or so ago, and something he expressed is that when it comes to innovation, things like AI and machine learning are exponential growth curves. So it's not going to be linear that, okay, what we've learned in the last three years is going to be similar to what we're going to learn in the next three years. It's going to be much faster paced. And I think by 2020, it's going to become a lot more complicated to know the difference between whether or not you're talking to a computer or a human and that our machine colleagues will become more commonplace and that they will feel like talking to humans a lot more. I like that. Yes, we won't really know. I I spoke to a futurist who is frequently on our shows, Gray Scott. Tammy, I don't know if you know him. He's based in New York, and his company is SeriousWonder.com. And uh, he was talking to what he thought was a human, and he's a hard guy to fool, really a techno-philosopher, if you will. And he was talking to somebody, in quotes, and he realized after a few minutes it wasn't a body. It was a a thing. It was a chatbot. It was AI. And he was really surprised. So they are there. They are coming to us somewhere close to a phone or a watch near you. Piyush Chandra, love to get your thoughts, predictions. I can give you I can give you a whole 90 seconds because they were so fast. Go ahead, Piyush. Great. Thank you. Uh, one of the things, if uh, in 2020, I think uh, as part of if we were to have the same discussion, I think there will be also a virtual person part of this discussion. Uh, now, uh, in last three years in in the field of AI, we have made more progress than last three decades. So for sure, we are moving on this exponential curve where we are at this uh, threshold where we are, uh, a lot of big things are waiting for us. AI and uh, voice-enabled assistants, they are all around us now. In fact, half the queries on on, uh, iPhones are through uh, iPhones and, and uh, Android smartphones are, are through voice assistants now. More and more companies are uh, coming up with uh, with their virtual assistants, where people can either uh, browse, can browse through a shopping catalog or can can be handled uh, by a virtual customer care, uh, customer service assistant. So it's it's getting it's, it's everywhere around us. We are uh, we are not even. Uh, Acknowledging it uh, as much as we should that uh, AI and uh, technology is all around us in, in, in the form of self-driving cars or uh, virtual assistants that are able to answer even the most complicated questions from our side. And by year 2020, I, I think it will just become so mainstream that, uh, that, that we'll be surrounded by it everywhere. There'll be cars that are driving autonomously, but not just uh, from, uh, for five miles, but, but for long distance. And this will require uh, systems and, and networks that are connected all through. And it's just a futuristic vision, which sounds uh, like science fiction today, but just going by the amount of progress we have made in the last three years, this will be reality where we'll be surrounded by uh, virtual human beings all around us. Thank you very much. Very profound predictions. I appreciate the three of you. I want to do a special shout-out to the sponsor of this series, Dr. Patty Fletcher. She's usually on the panel, but I believe she's traveling today. But Patty has been listening live online and doing a lot of tweets. And thank you for the question, Patty, about transferring bias to work and trying to keep bias out of our HR chatbots and algorithms. Andy Britt at IBM, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you, Andy. Thank you for your time. Great insights. Tammy Reese at Just Not 
not sorry. We're thrilled you could join us. And thank you, Tammy. Keep up the great work and really appreciated your insights. And Piyush Chandra at SAP Labs, also very appreciative of your taking the time to join us. And thank you to Kevin, our engineer at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I thank you very much for listening. We had five live shows this week. We'll be back next week with five more. So you can always find us in the schedule on the business channel on voiceamerica.com, a.k.a. World Talk Radio. Just look for the coffee cup in the banner and the logo, and that's where we'll be. So here's my call to action, and it's time. Everybody have a great Good Friday if you celebrate. Happy Pesach to those who are celebrating, and happy Easter. Hope your your bunny hunt and egg hunt is profitable and and sweet. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your 